0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: TL Talk Radio, Season 7, Episode 29. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 29 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton.
2: And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today we're speaking with Cindy Ambrose, Low Country Education Consortium and RSP Project member. Cindy has experience as a teacher, assistant principal, and principal, and has formerly served as a chief academic officer, assistant superintendent, and deputy superintendent in large districts in both Virginia and South Carolina. She currently facilitates the work of the Low Country Education Consortium. The consortium is a group of districts collaborating to design a readiness pathway framework to measure the knowledge, skills, and dispositions needed for students to be college and career ready.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Cindy. Thanks for having me. So let's get our conversation started with a personal story about how you became so interested and focused on college and career readiness.
3: Yeah, so I've had a long career in education, both as a teacher, school administrator, district administrator. And I guess it was around the late 1990s, early 2000s. I was the parent of preschool children. And if you think about what was happening that time in the field of education, we were really putting a lot of emphasis on academics and test scores. And as a parent, just like all parents, our children are more than that, right? They're more than just a number. Our children are so much more and have so much more potential. So I started paying attention to some of the the work that was coming out of Harvard with Tony Wagner, and he was talking about the global competencies and the needs of business and industry. And when you ask business and industry what they want in employees, it never is about test scores or academics or knowledge. They can usually teach the knowledge, right? It's about what they bring to the table in terms of collaboration, collaboration, communication, creativity. It's being a self-driven learner, having student agency. And so for me, my children were growing up. I was looking at all the emphasis on test scores. I have lots of nieces and nephews, and I just realized there was so much more to schooling and college and career readiness than just a number.
2: With that context, that background, let's dig into some of your work here with the Low Country Education Consortium. Tell us a little bit about what it is what districts make this up and what your focus is particularly around this idea of the readiness pathway framework
3: yeah so um we are a group of school districts five school districts in the Charleston metropolitan region in South Carolina we're home to lots of business and industry we have boeing bosch volvo mercedes benz intertech group just to name a few and sometimes even the Charleston regions refer to as Silicon Harbor because of all the tech industry. And so we've had really great relationships with our business um, community, our higher ed community. And we realized that there were skills that students needed um, that, they, that weren't necessarily already in the curriculum or in, in the way that we do school. So the superintendents came together and decided to form a group. A- another reason they did that is because our families move across district lines. Overall, those five districts, there's over 100,000 uh, students, over 10,000 teachers, wow. over 150 schools, and families are mobile. Some families may have one parent working in one school district, another parent working in the other school district, and then their children go into a third school district. So they realize that were they were looking at common problems of practice they realized they needed some consistency across these districts and they realized they were stronger together so they formed the the low country education consortium around 2017 really with the idea of partnering partnering with business and industry in our region and thinking about how to take that profile of a South Carolina graduate that we've had for, you know, we've had it for almost 10 years. How do you take that and make it actionable? So that was our ultimate goal, and that's how we got started, and we've really learned a lot from each other, and, and we have many role-alike groups. I think we're operating about five role-alike groups that come together, and what we're finding is it Using the collective wisdom from these districts helps with the lift of any work we have to do, and especially during COVID. It's really been instrumental to responding to the demands on um, the schools and the school districts in the time of COVID.
1: So interesting. I'm just making a personal connection. We've had our profile of a graduate for a few years, and you know, we're starting to think about what does that mean? How do, how do, how does our programming change? How does um, how learners demonstrate their competencies? change and I'm wondering if you're sort of grappling with some of the same questions yeah. and um, what maybe are some of the essential questions of the group that you're trying to answer as you think about operationalizing? I think that was your word, the uh, South Carolina profile of a graduate. So you, you think
3: about what, um, what you've been focused on for the last several decades and you realize it really has been a lot about academics. So our question is, how do you weave in the competencies? How do you weave in uh, what your business and industry partners are telling you that they want in their employees. How do you weave in civic responsibility and student agency? How do you weave all that in and what does that look like? And so we decided to start with, the, start with the teachers. We felt like they are upfront, they are on the front lines, they are working with students, they have a tremendous impact. And we actually wrote a grant that we submitted to the Assessment for Learning project, which is a part of the um, Gates Foundation's work so we submitted that grant it was for small micro grant but it got us in that network and we were able to network with districts and schools across the country that were dealing with those same the same questions how do we weave that into the curriculum what does that look like what how do we showcase that how do we measure that how do you how does a student leave a school system and have a portfolio That includes not just the academics that they've accomplished, but how do you how do you really let them demonstrate what they can do in terms of creativity, collaboration, communication? What does that look like? So we got into that network and we started looking at all of that work. And then, wow, COVID hit, COVID hit. (laughs) And when COVID hit, we went home on a Friday um, by Sunday evening, we realized we weren't going back, and we were thrust into the world of remote learning. And I don't even like to call that—I um, don't even like to call that virtual online learning because it really was emergency remote learning. So districts had to do a pivot. We had to pivot quickly. We we still are looking at how important it is to partner with business and industry, what does work-based learning experiences look like, how do we weave that, that into the curriculum, how do teachers help design that, they're designers of the educational experience. We're still grappling with all those questions, but we really did have our bandwidth impacted in terms of where we had to put our focus and our energy. That really impacted everything we did from the time the students arrived at the bus stop Till they rode the bus. If you were running a hybrid schedule, till you th- the the moment you stepped on that school campus, what those classrooms looked like, how you socially distance um, the students, what did it look like when you had students you suspected who had COVID? How do you notify your families and your community?
1: How do you um, endless right? <laughs> Just endless, endless <laughs> yeah. questions, endless challenges. Yeah. We all had the same experiences. Yeah, yeah.
3: So we we still. Um, value all that work we started and but I will have to tell you we had to we had to take a step back from it and and put some of our energy and efforts into the covid response but it's still there we 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 still are having conversations with business and industry we want to pick back up the training as soon as you're able to train in person right i mean people aren't even training in person right now so some of the work we had planned with our teachers we had to put on pause uh, while we were dealing with the pandemic. But that's where we want to start. We feel like we need to start with teachers who lead this work. They're the they're, they're the the content experts. They're the educational experts. They know what they need from the leaders and from the community to weave those skills into their curriculum. We just need to provide them with a the space and enable them to do
1: that work. And um, that's been hard during the time of COVID. Mm-hmm. So let's shift the conversation to talk about your collaboration um, with some local organizations sort of the outside the school walls Um, you're working with the charleston metro area chamber of commerce and you know local philanthropic community organizations how how does the framework align to the needs of business and industry so we're really fortunate to have active chambers of commerce not just in the charleston metropolitan
3: region but also in each of these uh, counties our school districts are spread across four counties and they have chambers as well The Charleston Metropolitan Chamber did a talent demand study they update that study regularly it's available on their website they are such a good friend to the school districts in the region and to um, our career and technical education offices our high schools they're really supportive of work-based learning they also did a report called common skills and high demand they brought together the educational leaders and then they brought together business and industry leaders and they looked at what skills the employees were going to need to be successful in the business and industry in our region and so they developed this beautiful it's just absolutely beautiful document that we've been able to use so we go to the business and industry community to think about what are the skills we want to weave into our curriculum how can we partner with you for work based learning experiences for students what does that look like to be to be ready just not only for college but to be career ready too so they those have been really great partnerships the charleston metro chamber actually has a unit or a, an office that's dedicated to education so they are just always there willing to lend a hand they convene all these groups together they communicate with us regularly if we have needs they serve on our committees or serve on our work and vice versa in terms of business and industry, it's very common for our superintendents and other leaders in our region to have regular meetings with business and industry partners. And fortunately for us, those business and industry partners will say, What do we what do you need from us? What are you working on? They really have a, an interest and they want us to be successful.
2: So one of the other things that we've learned about the Low Country Education Consortium is that you have a partnership. Uh, with Future of School and Digital Learning Collaborative, working on the Resilient Schools Project. So tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I'll have to say that the Resilient Schools Project has really been um, one of the greatest opportunities we've had in the last year. Uh, When when we were all dealing with COVID, we are all across the country dealing with the same issues. No matter really what your setting is, you've got some of the same challenges and same problems and so the resilient schools project allowed us to go into a network with other districts across the country and so we talk about those problems of practice and we have meetings every other week they also tailor those meetings based on what the districts need but we've been able to share resources and materials and if you've already gotten a plan ready for to bring your students back in person, if another district in another part of the country has that and shares that with you, it's so much easier than starting at Ground Zero. It saves you time. It lets, lets you build upon what they've already created. It lets you improve upon it for your particular context. But those resources have just been been amazing and then of course having access to amy valentine a future of school antonio boyd from a future of school john watson and allison powell and lauren from digital learning collaborative we can reach out to them We, we consider them as trusted thought partners and colleagues and really really friends so if we have a need and we're looking for some type of Um, like innovative modeled on how to do hybrid education or what we might, what might we do after the pandemic? What might our virtual learning offerings look like? What should we consider? They are national, um, they are nationally connected and they know sort of that scope of what's going on across the country. So it's been a really valuable um, project for us and we've learned a lot from it. Can't say enough good things about it.
2: Great. We did last season. We uh, had a podcast with Amy Valentine about future of school. So we'll link that in the show notes.
3: They are just again. I can't say enough good things. I've needed them for some other work we've done in our region, and I've been able to reach out to them, and they've been so gracious just to get on the phone with us with a school that's thinking about how did you wrap around services or trying to figure out how do you really engage your community. What does that look like? And those folks have been just really great um, thought partners to us, to really to all our districts.
1: All right. Thank you so much for sharing some more information about the consortium, some of the resources that you are utilizing and leveraging within the group, um, taking the opportunity to learn from each other and build on each other's works uh, through the work with Digital Learning Collaborative. Much appreciated. So before we ask you to uh, share what's next for you, Cindy, we have a few rapid response questions. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about college and career readiness or even what you're talking about in terms of um, your profile of a graduate and in operationalizing those resources? I would have to say Tony Wagner,
3: Tony Wagner's with the Learning Policy Institute, and he's written prolifically about it. I had the opportunity to actually work with Tony uh, before, but he is just so
1: knowledgeable. He's the person I would recommend. All right, great. We'll link that in the notes. And if you were recommending a book to our listeners, what might that book be? Um,
3: I, I would have to say, uh, confess that right now books, I, I'm doing more reading in this era of like white papers and reports that I need immediately. So I love to read what's on the Learning Policy Institute's website. And one that really resonated with me was "Reimagining and reinventing schools for COVID and beyond. It just really gives you some insight and shame on us if we don't really um, revisit how we did school uh, after this pandemic, right? We've, we should have learned a lot through this pandemic. So shame on us if we don't, and that's a really great resource.
1: All right. We're definitely going to check that one out. And finally, is there an online site or resource um, beyond the Learning Policy Institute, maybe, that you learn from regularly? Digital Learning Collaborative. Okay. Uh, We often go to their websites and
3: uh, their website and and participate in their webinars. They they know what's going on in the landscape
1: of education. All right. Excellent. Thank you for, for sharing those resources with us.
2: All right, Cindy, thanks so much for being here. But before we let you go, we have one more question for you, and that is, what are you working on that you'd like to share with our listeners before you leave?
3: Yeah, so I'm really excited. We are working on a shared services virtual program across our region for K-8 coming out of the pandemic You know, nationally before the pandemic, about 2% of the nation's students were typically successful and engaged in a virtual learning experience. We expect that to be much higher coming out of the pandemic, Um, but we decided to uh, network together for this K-8 experience and we are partnering with the Digital Learning Collaborative. We're partnering with Quality Matters and we're looking at those national standards for for online learning um, online teaching and online courses and what we're learning together we are helping each other with the lift so these districts are coming together for that or coming together for working on a supplemental program and they were also looking at uh, leveraging our consortium for technical assistance and support so if you are starting a virtual program or, or you're opting in just a one f- uh, aspect of our virtual program, but hey, you want help on writing courses, those are the kinds of things that we're looking at um, providing in terms of services. So we're excited. We've produced some really great documents. We updated our website this week. We, we are willing to share what we have. We'd love to talk to others doing similar work, but we're very excited about the, the, the possibility of offering a really high quality state-of-the-art virtual learning experience for students in our region.
1: Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with this idea of provoking reflection and conversation. Um, This episode's question, why is it important for school and district leaders to have a clear pathway for learners to college and career readiness? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season seven, episode 29. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week during Other Innovative Thought Leaders. Thanks again for joining us today, Cindy. Thank you for having me. It
2: was a pleasure. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.